Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad. And I'm Evan. And today, I'm hoping that you, good Evan, can help me with a problem. I realized that I can't read two large series at the same time. I'm a sucker for high fantasy, long books like Malazan. Just give me a lot of something. And I think the reason why is I don't like the decision-making process, the research to find a new book. I get attached to a story. I get attached to the characters and I just want more of it. Like there's multiple shelves back here that are dedicated to entire authors. So I really like that. And with this podcast, I'm trying to read more and just expose myself to more books. And I can't do two series simultaneously. So I'm hoping you can help me out. You need some standalones in your life. I need some standalones in my life. That is correct. Well, I am totally here for you, Chad. I have a whole list of recommendations for you. Oh, thank you. Perfect. So what is it about? Because I like, like I said, I like the long form books. So what is it about standalone books that you like so much? So obviously, I really love long series too. Huge fan. But I kind of gravitate more towards standalones now and then when I feel a little burnt out on reading something that's six, seven, eight, nine, fourteen books. And I really like a nice contained story, even if it's like 600, 700 pages, especially if I can knock it out in two or 300 pages. There's something to be said about a really concise, well-paced, tight story. And they're out there, but series are really popular right now. And they should be. They're awesome. But every now and then, you just want to read one book. Yeah, well, now and then is right now for me. I, uh, we're, <laughs> reading the like, we're reading the Lycanius books, and they are doorstoppers. Beefy. Huge. Yeah, they hurt your face a lot if you fall asleep while reading them, holding them over your face. So I'm looking for like the opposite of that. Cool. Well, my first standalone that I'm going to recommend, and I've recommended this all over social media, and I will never stop recommending it. It is called The Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. So The Priory of the Orange Tree is basically like a whole epic fantasy series condensed into one 800-page book. Okay. Which means that the pacing is excellent. We are moving right along. And it is a little bit of a difficult learning curve at first because there's a whole lot of world building in that first hundred or so pages. That's okay. Yeah, you feel a little bit lost while you're reading it, but it's just a really beautiful book. There's dragons in it. There are some really, really amazing characters and good relationships between those characters. The lore that Samantha Shannon built up is excellent. And it is high fantasy, epic fantasy stakes all wrapped up in this nice package. And it is a really long book. Well, that sounds kind of perfect for me because it's long. And so it'll maybe like trick my senses into thinking like, no, no, you're doing your thing. You're just reading a super long book. It's just in one book, you know? And I have seen some criticisms of it. And I I kind of agree with a couple of them. Like the ending for sure is a little, it feels a little rushed, but maybe that's because it is that it is the epic fantasy stakes and it feels like it should be one of those giant series kind of, you know, like the end of the Wheel of Time is just like, right. oh, it's so brutal and heavy and a whole giant 1200 page book of an ending. So the ending feels a little bit rushed, maybe, but that's by no means a reason not to read it. I mean, I read it for the characters personally. There's like yeah. four characters in that book where, you know, when there's a POV shift, a point of view character shift in a book and you're like, like for me, it's um, the Sansa chapters in <laughs> the Song of Ice. You know, you turn the page and it says Sansa and you're just like, oh, Fuck. here we go again. <laughs> but yeah. when you're reading uh, Prior of the Orange Tree, you flip and see what the 
next point of view chap- chapter is, and you're excited every time, you know, and that's a rare thing with multiple point of views. Cause I feel like whenever there's multiple point of views, there's, there's always, always one. that one character yep. that I don't feel like reading. And yep. for me with Priory, it just didn't exist. They, I want, I was excited to read them all. So I'd highly recommend that one for sure. Okay. Awesome. I think I've, I know I've seen it before, but I think that I probably have a tendency that I don't even think about to just gravitate towards books with titles that sound exciting. And like Priory of the Orange Tree, like, oh, what am I going to read some like expose on like, I, I don't know who even knows. Like, I don't know. I know. It just didn't, didn't catch me right away. One of my habits that I have, and I don't know if this is a healthy habit or not, but when I'm finished with a book I really, really enjoyed, I almost immediately go on to Goodreads or Amazon and look at all the one star reviews. Huh. Because it, in my mind, I'm like, how could anybody, how could anybody think that this was bad? Do you comment right? on them? No. I don't have time to get into arguments with strangers. (laughs) Seriously. At least not every day. But there are a couple one-star reviews that are hilarious because they're just like, there were hardly any oranges in this book. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, man, I read 800 pages. I didn't see very many trees, very many oranges. I mean, it makes, after after reading the book, it makes sense why Samantha Shannon called it the Priory of the Orange Tree, for Mm -hmm. sure. But yeah, not a whole lot of oranges, I guess. Are there any oranges? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's good. Uh, well, I'm excited it has dragons. I always like a good book with dragons. And I don't think I've read any in a while, actually, since um, the Lightbringer series. And, you know, and you know what's really cool about Prior of the Orange Tree is uh, one, one thing that I really love in books is when somebody is in kind of like a school or like academy or like too. that kind of setting. And you can see them working up through the ranks. My favorite. And one of the characters does go through that. And it's not their whole character right but it is a part in the book and i just i'm a sucker for those kinds of arcs i love them so much too i wonder what about the like coming of age in a school i really like that too i think that's one of the reasons why name of the wind is my favorite one of my favorite books because it's just all in the university maybe too much in the university actually but i think maybe what it is is because we like to see characters fail and succeed over and over again and a school yeah. is such a good opportunity to show that. Yeah, it's a very good platform for success and failure. Yeah, and they're always working towards some other higher goal. They have to, they're in school succeeding and failing for something. I think that's why it's so alluring to us. And we mm. all know that experience too of we being in that setting. It. Yeah. Some people go through it with dragons and we don't. <laughs> right. I mean, that's why people uh, like reading about relationships because we've all been there. Um, so I want to read something just weird, like weird, super weird. What what do you got for me in the hyper weird category? Let's see, weird. Um, have you read Perdido Street Station by China Mieville? No. That's as weird as it gets, I would say. And he is a really fantastic writer. Perdido Street Station was the first book that I ever read by him, but I moved on to some others. And Perdido Street Station is the first book in a trilogy, technically. And the trilogy is called the Baslag Trilogy. But you can kind of read the books in whatever order. And some people would probably disagree with me, but they're very, very tiny minutiae, you know? Mm-hmm. Kind of like the Dresden Files. Each one is a standalone story, but it's nice if you read them kind of chronologically because he references what's happened in his life before. Right. Or like with Discworld or the Culture series by sure. Ian Banks or the Heinous Cycle by Ursula Le Guin. There is kind of this through line big giant capital P plot through everything, but you can, and that, that is the tricky thing with recommending standalone, like what I would consider standalones. Cause there are books like I would consider the first Mistborn book to be a standalone book. It's a nice clean ending. 
there's not a whole lot of a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. but it's there. You know, you know that other stuff is going on. But I have recommended the first Mistborn book as a standalone just to get somebody into Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, and that would be a really good one to do it too, because you're right. It does it. It's just kind of like hints at like a I've left this open because if I want to do more, I will sort of ending. Yeah, I mean the first uh, Dune book I would say is a standalone in and yeah. of itself, but. Obviously, you can keep it going. And, you know, I, I think that, that that debate will probably rage for a pretty long time because you could be a total purist and say, no, it's part of a series. It's not a standalone book. But I think some books you really can read. You can get to the end and you can just be done with it for a little while. And if you want to come and that's the beauty of it, too, is if you want to come back to the series and continue reading, that's great. But sometimes you can just leave it alone. So with Perdido Street Station, there is a sequel called The Scar and a sequel to that called Iron Council. But if you want to get into China Mieville, Perdido Street Station is one of the weirdest books I've ever read. And it's it starts out with this scientist in this completely made-up city called New Crobazon. And it's kind of like this super grimy, smoke-filled, semi-industrial city. There's like, is it like a steampunk sort of vibe? Not really steampunk, but it's just... I think the technical term for it is called uh, New Weird. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mieville's writing is so vivid. He's a master at description, but it starts out with this scientist, right? And he finds this phosphorescent, like glowing little worm in his office. And he's like, that's really strange. And then he, <laughs> it, it starts growing in his office and he gets, gets bigger and bigger over the, over the next like week or so. Okay. <laughs> and then chaos ensues. That's all I'm going to say. What? <laughs> okay. It's reminding me of that movie. Um, uh, the famous comedian who died a little while ago, and it's the green, like the little green um, sludgy Flubber? dude. Flubber, yes, thank you. It was I mean Flubber. That's very similar to <laughs> to the plot of I Flubber, right? I, I I didn't think about that once the entire time I was reading it. It sounded like that's what you were right. describing. Yeah. <laughs> but as a standalone, I think it works really, really well. It's an awesome book. It's another one that is a little long, but it didn't feel as long as it was. China Mayville is a very poetic writer. I would say his prose even kind of borders on purple sometimes, for sure. Okay. What's a, what about it is so weird? It's, it's not like like bloody, it's, it's, go, it's hard like to gory weird. No, for sure. And it, okay. it, it's it's hard to say without spoiling a bunch of stuff, you know, because I don't want to tell you exactly what happens. Sure. Okay. But I think one of the reasons it's so weird is because it's so different than anything else. I've read. Hmm. It's like the first time you saw that movie, like Labyrinth or The Dark Crystal. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's so different. It's so out there from anything else. Um, his ideas for just the people that are living in the city, the practices they all have, they're kind of day to day. I can't give too much away. Okay, that's okay. I'd rather you just say it's great, read it, than tell me anything that would spoil it. You will never have a reading experience like Perdido Street Station again. And anybody that's okay. read that book will tell you just that. back you up on that okay okay i'm gonna read it um okay so that one's going on the list for sure next on my list of recommendations to uh eke out of the evan sponge is as much as i'm a sucker for huge warfare and like crazy plots i'm looking for something light-hearted simple fun like wholesome yeah i hope you don't mind me just picking your brain here <laughs> no no that's that's what this one's for and i made a big list and i can just pick from it let's see uh light-hearted uh ooh. The Goblin Emperor by Catherine Arden. Have you heard of that? I have heard of that. Yes. That one is fantastic. It took me, I had to read it. I had to try reading it twice because the first time I read it, I got kind of bored with it at first because nothing violent and wild was happening. I think I had just read 
the first law trilogy i think i got like 50 pages into the goblin emperor and i was just like oh this is a whole lot of just standing around talking we're just hanging out <laughs> and the first law is like anything but it's about a young person who through a lot of really strange events is now the emperor and he is not ready for it he is way out of his depth and a really cool thing that Catherine Arden does, at least I think she did this on purpose, is all of the names of the characters are really difficult to pronounce. They're all really long names. And I think that she did it so that you would feel that same kind of confusion. Huh. And it was kind of like what we were talking about in that last episode where authors will kind of like throw that kind of stuff in yeah. so that you feel just as frustrated as that person. And that's like the only time I'm okay with it. Is right. when it's there for a purpose. Like if you're gonna throw four apostrophes in the middle of someone's names and put like two dots over the A, mm. like, but if it's for a reason to like give me a feeling that helps me understand something that the, the characters are going through, then I'm totally okay with that. As long as they don't sound the same. They do. Ah, damn it. it. Seriously. But it's good. I mean, like the the main character is so relatable even though nobody's asked me to be an emperor of anything it's just you feel for him so much you're watching all of these events and the, the him kind of navigating this court that you've never that he's never been a part of he's, he wasn't supposed to be there ever watching him navigate through all of that he's such a wholesome awesome main character and the world building is really excellent i just flew through it it was really, really okay. great. How many pages is it, would you say, like, approximately? Um, probably, like, 400, 450, okay, okay, good. something like that. Let me look like it up. A nice, hefty read, but not too much. I feel like I could use some wholesome in my life. I feel like every character that I've been deep diving into recently, I was like, well, you know, he's a pretty good guy now, but at one point in his past, he burned a church full of civilians or something, you know? Right, and I like a good, complicated character with a dark past mm -hmm. you know i Loading i, I dig fingers. that i've always into that but it is really it's, it's such a the goblin emperor is such a breath of fresh air of a book are they all goblins uh, i don't want to spoil it oh okay but I mean, it seems like she did that in the title <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a mystery are they goblins are they not goblins the goblin emperor <laughs> you'll find out i will all right i'm gonna write that down too Maybe I'll read that one after um, the China, the weird one, the Perdido Station one. Perdido Street Station. Yeah, the Perdido Street Station. That way I have like that dichotomy that you experienced after reading the first law, which is like blood, gore, guts, and Logan nine fingers ripping people to pieces and then go to wholesome, nice fun. And... I call it a palate cleanser. Ooh, nice. That's good. Like I always read uh, Terry Pratchett books after I'm done reading something really intense. And that's kind of a good... A good one too is Terry Pratchett's a weird one. Discworld is a very strange thing to recommend for standalones because it's kind of the same thing as I was talking about with Mistborn or Perdido Street Station, where yes, it is part of a larger series, but you can kind of grab any old Discworld book. You don't need to have read in any sort of order, but reading in order does augment the experience in a positive way, but it's not crucial. And that's right. that's kind of my definition of whether or not something is a standalone is if it is it crucial that you read it in a certain order and Discworld, you know, I can rattle off a few Discworld books too. And I, I, I've I read a couple of those. So you've read Mort. I've read Mort. He's Terry. That's Terry Pratchett, right? Yeah. And Mort is about a kid who becomes Death's apprentice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a funny, interesting, creative. It's very clever and like full of these little like quirky, like, ah, good thoughts. 
Yeah, one thing I really love about Terry Pratchett is how he makes light of really serious things. Mm -hmm. But he keeps it he keeps it kind of serious. Yeah, like there's serious moments for sure. Absolutely. There's a lot of things to pull out of Discworld. I kind of compare Terry Pratchett to Douglas Adams. Like Terry Pratchett is to fantasy what Douglas Adams is to science fiction. There's yeah. a lot of similarities there. But I personally, I like Terry Pratchett a little more just because I, I do lean more towards fantasy. Mm -hmm. Another really good Terry Pratchett Discworld book is Small Gods. Have you heard of that one? No, I haven't. Small Gods is really, really funny. It's about this kind of uh, religious acolyte that befriends a turtle. But the, the, it, the turtle is a god that has been turned into a turtle. <laughs> From what I can remember, the kid is the only one that can hear the turtle talking. And it, it is su it's such a blast because the turtle sounds like a mighty being. <laughs> yeah, the turtle wants to smite this kid so badly, but he can't because he's a turtle. <laughs> it's a really, really good. I, I think a lot of people agree it's one of Terry Pratchett's best books. To anybody listening, if you haven't read Discworld, Mort and Small Gods are terrific places to start. And then there's one more Discworld book that I'll recommend called Equal Rights. And it's about a little girl that becomes a wizard. And little girls aren't supposed to be wizards. They're supposed to be witches. And it's just this little girl and her witch grandmother on a quest. Interesting. I like that. Did he write uh, Magic Kingdom for Sale Sold? Because I have that somewhere in my bookshelf. And I, I've, it's always kind of my palate cleanser. Every few years, I'll like pick it up. It's so small. And I'll be like, I don't remember anything from this book. And then I'll read it again. And it's funny. Uh, no, that's Terry Brooks. Terry Brooks. Oh, okay. I have a coworker who's done this twice. He has gone to a famous author signing and brought an author's with oh, who has a similar no. name to that author's book to sign. He said it happened to him twice. One was Terry Brooks, and he bought him, I <laughs> brought him, I think, Terry Goodkind's uh, book. And he was like, Yeah, dude. And then, like, two months later, he went and saw another author and brought the wrong book to that author as well. <laughs> He's like, Both authors were not impressed. <laughs> Magic Kingdom for Sale is. The Kingdom of Landover series. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh -huh. I've never read those. They're pretty funny. I didn't know Terry Brooks wrote Landover because Terry Brooks wrote all the Shannara stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've read a and few And if of you've those. read one Shannara, you've read them all. <laughs> <laughs> People suggest Shannara to me all the time because I've read the first two. I've read. They are a great book. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, dude, like every book plot is the exact same and it's always the generation next yeah. you know it's like they're they're the kids or the people from the books before his kids yeah the wizard is the only character that's the same and they always have to go get something and save the world that's what they do i like terry brooks a lot I've, I've seen him he's done like ted talks and stuff he's done i don't know if it was a ted talk but he's done some really cool speeches and he's so enthusiastic about fantasy and he loves it so much and hearing him talk about it is pretty inspiring um he's just such a, a genuine person i mean if you read wrote the same book like 14 times, you would be really good at it. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't hate him. It's actually really, I really enjoyed the Shannara books, but I read like 10 of them. Yeah, that's a lot of Shannara. We're just looping this mulberry bush. <laughs> I heard that the Shannara books where uh, Alanon is kind of more of the key character. Those are the really yeah. good, like the druid of, Sh or of Shannara or whatever. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, I don't even know if that's the right book, but I've heard those are really good. Yeah, I read those a long time ago. He has really good imagery though. In his books, I, he does a really good job describing a scene, like not overly, but enough. Like I still have pictures from the books in my brain. Yeah, there's a part in Sword of Shannara that is burned into my head. And I read that book like 12 years ago. 
and I'm not going to say what it is because I don't want to spoil anything, but it's just it just lives rent free in my head. <laughs> He's a very immersive writer. So while we're talking about books that are kind of funny, uh, one of the books that I this is, isn't really a fantasy book, but uh, my favorite comedy book is Lamb. Have you ever read Lamb? Yeah, I have. It's really good. Oh my God. It is yeah. so funny, dude. Just like the gospel story, the untold years of Jesus Christ as told by his best friend Biff. Yeah. He was just like a total screw up the whole time. And they're so much fun. That book really put Christopher Moore on the map. Yeah. Because I've read a few I didn't other. I know who he was. Oh, uh, yeah. He... I read a few other Christopher Moore books, but and they were okay. I feel like he's like the American Terry Pratchett. Yeah. Yeah. But they, and they were okay. They, they weren't bad by any means, but Lamb is just miles ahead of anything else. It's, it's It was a, so good. It almost makes sense, right? I mean, it's like nobody talks yeah. about Jesus's life through his like, what was he doing? 20s. Maybe he was going like to a Buddhist monastery and uh, learning to do that while his best friend was off like learning <laughs> and i'm more or less agnostic right like I, I mean i didn't really feel like it was trying to impart any kind of religious teaching on me or anything it's just jesus was a really interesting person and reading through the eyes of his his best buddy right yeah and he you he's know, a total failure <laughs> right and i love how he kind of like even humanizes jesus a little bit and he's just like ah oh, this yeah. this guy like <laughs> yeah so I gotta be so perfect over here. <laughs> well, I mean, I was raised very religious, and I recommended that my mother read them. I don't think she read that that book. I don't think she did, but I was because interested if she would think it was funny or sacrilegious. Uh, I was laughing out loud. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't even. I think the, one of the reasons that book is just so immensely popular is because it could probably reach across the uh, the aisle, right? Like, I mean, yeah. And it's like, okay, if you think like we're made in his image, right? He made humor. And I think that's the sort of humor he would enjoy that like really slapstick, funny, clever wit. I'm like, oh, it's just so good. Right. And that's another good example of, you know, taking something that would be considered serious and pulling the humor out of it. And it's just so refreshing to read something that's that down to earth. Mm -hmm. And it's good there. It's like full of adventure. And I really liked it. Yeah. Have you read any Neil Gaiman? No. Really? That is standalone city right there. Game and what's the name of his books? I'd probably recognize that more. Oh boy. Uh American Gods. Oh, okay. Uh, Neverwhere. I have Anansi okay. Boys. Ocean at the end of the lane. I've heard of most of those, not Nazi Boys. Oh. Nazi Boys? Uh, no. <laughs> Anansi. You say Nazi no, Boys. Oh, Anansi. Anansi Boys. Neil Gaiman is one of my favorite writers and uh, he wrote Coraline. Oh, okay. Uh, and he does a lot of short stories. He has a short story collection called uh, smoke and mirrors which is really great neil gaiman is in my opinion like one of the most unique writers like it, he i i wouldn't be able to do this with very many writers but if you put neil gaiman like a page of a neil gaiman book next to like four other writers i'd probably be able to pick it out of a lineup just because of the way he writes and he narrates all of his audiobooks too or maybe not all of them but i'll a very good chunk of his own audiobooks. That's bold. He has such a cool voice. He looks cool too. I just googled him. Oh yeah, he looks like a, he's like he has you know like a slight accent and really good stories. Yeah, he's English. Oh okay. I think pretty sure. Uh, normally, I don't like if you're writing a knowledgeable book, like an educational book, then I want the author to read it. If you are writing a fictional book, I typically don't want the author to read it because they're not actors. Yeah, you do want Neil Gaiman reading your books. I wish Neil Gaiman read all the books that I listened to. <laughs> I would love to live in Neil Gaiman's brain for just a day. Like, it's so cool, the things that he comes up with. A lot of the stuff that he writes is based in different kinds of mythology. Like American Gods borrows a lot from a bunch of different religions and, and mythologies all over the world. I mean, American Gods is like his most popular book. 
And I like it a decent amount. Like I don't I wasn't like amazed by it. I think it had been hyped so hard to me uh, by like the time. I don't know if it was over. I, I think it was the the correct amount of hyped because a lot of people really liked it. Would you recommend that I start there? Personally, no. I would recommend you start with the ocean at the end of the lane. Okay. That's my personal favorite. It's about a little boy who needs who like there's like a witch that's like after him. Oh, that's such an incredible book. And I, it, you can read it in like a sitting. It's like 230 pages long. And I did. I read it in one day. I just couldn't put it down. Try American Gods after that. I mean, American Gods has a really awesome main character named Shadow, probably one of Gaiman's like best main characters. It's a very unique book in its structure and its execution. But I personally wasn't a fan of the execution. Like, as like I wasn't a fan of the way it all wrapped up, really. But it's like a road trip across America. Okay. And it is cool to see like Americana through the eyes of uh, somebody that's not that wasn't born and raised here. Sure. You know what I thought about when we were talking about the school setting? Yeah. Blood Song by Anthony Ryan. Have you read that? Yes, I have. Oh, yes. it's so good. Yes. <laughs> and that's a whole. That's a, That's another one where it is part of a series. But you know what? I read the second book in that series, and it was. Not that great. It was so not that great that I didn't read the third one. And a lot of people agree. I think Blood Song is kind of a masterpiece. It's like a, it's very it's good. A, I don't usually use number systems for books, but I think it's like a 10 out of 10 fantasy book. Personally, I think it's the mm-hmm. book that Name of the Wind wants to be. Oh, dude. No, it's funny. I can't. I love I love that was a bold statement. <laughs> Name of the Wind is so good, dude. No book. No book got me into the silence of three parts. Oh, man. I honestly think Blood Song is a better book than Name of the Wind. Wow. It's, it might be a better story, but like, I'm sorry. The Name of the Wind is some of the most beautiful words put together I've ever read. It's just beautiful words. No, you're right. You're right. It's not better writing, but it's a better book. It's a right. I, yes, I will the totally... story is perhaps a little bit more digestible and like fun to be. The way that Rothfuss can describe something, he can take a single sentence and make you feel pages worth of description like there's a scene where he's walking and he describes someone doing something with the airs of like a a soldier walking through a village that he just destroyed like treading on the doll of like a girl that used to live there and he says it in like five words and it's perfect and it puts this whole feeling it's so oh man beautiful words and i'm amazingly upset with him for not for putting me off for seven years rothfuss what the hell it's been if you're listening it's been 10 years yeah, I don't want to see any more YouTube videos or interviews. <laughs> I want you just to write. Just write. Dude, how, how pissed off is this publisher right now? <laughs> I don't know. People keep buying those books. Yeah, that's true. I keep buying them. I have bought those books five times because I loan them out. Every time I read them, I get hyped and want to share. The Name of the Wind is one of the only... The Name of the Wind and the Stormlight Archive books are the ones that I see people out in public reading the most. Yep. If I see someone with a black paperback book, chances are it's Name of the Wind. And that book came out 15 years ago. I feel like I had a major role in getting those books going because I was like a first adopter. And I remember back in the day where I'd be like, dude, Name of the Wind. And everyone would be like, really? Even like well-read people would not know it. And I was now it's like, I say that and they're like, oh, you're so basic. Another person whose favorite book is like, yeah, but I was first. <laughs> <laughs> but Blood Song. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Um, Blood Song is about the son of this very high ranking person in this like monarchy. He's the he's like the warlord, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, this is for our listeners. Oh, I'm not, oh sorry. I'm not trying like, to. Yeah, dude, I know I wrote no, no, it. It's no, no, so no. good. <laughs> this is, this is, hey, everybody. This kid gets forced into this kind of like combat 
academy and it is so brutal the way the things that they put these kids through they're they're training murderers like the most intense kind of killer that you could be like here's a puppy raise it kill it sort of (laughs) you know it's about that bad. They don't kill any puppies. Yeah, dude. There's no, they don't kill any there's puppies, no yeah. puppy killing in that. I wouldn't read a book with puppy killing. I refuse. No. I no. absolutely refuse. Um, but yeah, Blood Song is just, it's kind of that same structure that Name of the Wind uses, where it's somebody telling somebody else's story, kind of. Yeah. But I've read it twice. I listened to it on audiobook, and I read it, and I have the hardcover, and I love it so, so much. It's been a while since I've read it. It's on my list to read again. The vast majority of people treat Blood Song as a standalone, and I would highly recommend it if you're looking for something that's really dark and just you're watching somebody go through something that is so grueling. So horrific. Right. And But just written in such an exciting way and that it is just another good example of somebody going through that training going through that school setting something so addictive about it overcoming hardships and challenges and like rising to the occasion and failing sometimes you know and we've all been there so i think it's a really relatable experience but those books are amazing another cool standalone that i wanted to toss out is the night circus by aaron morgenstern have you heard of that one no i haven't so the night circus is excellent it's about these two rival wizards or like magicians, wizards, magic folk, they devise like a game and they basically put their protégés up against each other in like this magical competition from when their protégés are really young. And it all kind of revolves around this magical circus. This sounds wild. It's so good. And the way that she describes the circus and the time period and everything people are wearing and the, the attractions at the circus and just just how weird it is you know it's kind of like um it, it it's very much like something wicked this way comes type vibes right right okay. but it's like a much more fantastical romantic like a whimsical journey. yeah it, it's so okay. it's so awesome i like those yeah i burned through that one what's the name of it one more time i wrote down aaron morgenstern it's called the night circus the night circus okay. and aaron morgenstern just put out another book called the starless sea but i haven't read that one yet but everybody was raving about it when it came out People seem to really like that one. I really like the Night Circus idea. You sold that one to me hard. I'm going to read that. And if you're looking for something with that's a, that's like a, just a really solid kind of will they, won't they yeah. magical story with a really awesome setting. Oh, it's I can't say enough good things about the Night Circus. That's really that one good. might be first on my list. I had Priory of the Orange Tree on there because it sounded dirty. That was it, you know, dragons. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that might, might take it. I, li- I really like yeah. the sound of it because I'm looking for something weird, but not like super weird. And the China uh, one sounds a little weird. <laughs> yeah, so I'm down to read. But, yeah, Perdido you know, Street Station. It'll get warmed up. That's a whole, like, that's like a literal bag of worms. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we could we could even do a, uh, I'd be down to Ooh, do like a ep- little joint talk after I finish. Right, uh, we could do a short episode reading. after you're done reading The Night Circus or, or Priory of the Orange. I would personally recommend Priory of the Orange Street first, but. Really? Okay. Uh, well. I mean, you, you do you, Chad. Okay. I can't tell you what to read. That one it just sounded so good. I really liked the, that setting, and it sounded really unique. You know, we've got a lot of books on here. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a bunch of links, but that's what this one's yeah. for. Okay, I think I'm at this point of my my one st- book standalone journey for like the montage. I need a sizzle reel. So uh, as we wrap up here, give me give me some hard fast ones. <laughs> cool. All right, Tigana by Guy Gabriel K. I'm like all ready to type Tigana. <laughs> I must call that T I G A N A by Guy Gabriel K. 
Guy Gabriel K is probably one of my favorite writers as far as mastery of the craft. Gorgeous writing, amazing prose, really good storytelling. And Tigana's like about this band of people that are trying to get their country back. I think it's like it's impossible for them to say the name of the country. It's been like outlawed <laughs> to even say Tigana. It's almost like fantasy. It's like high fantasy literary fiction. That sounds really good, too. That's a really awesome one. Yeah, I would re highly recommend Tigana. I kind of want to read that again. I kind yeah, I kind of want to do a reread of, of Tigana. Let's do it together. Yeah, that sounds great. Oh, uh, Eyes of the Dragon by Stephen King. Oh, I have it right behind me. Yeah, you know me. I have to I have to throw in a Stephen King book. My mom had a box of books, and that one's the only she's always tried to like give books to me. And most of them are terrible. Um, <laughs> but that was was in there, and I was like, oh, Stephen King, I'll read I'll read that. And I haven't read it yet, so I will. And that's like Stephen King's Knights and Dragons and you know, classic fantasy books. Mages and wizards. Right. And yeah, 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 it's yeah. so good. It's and it's written in only the way Stephen King would write it. Excellent. Well, I'm so stoked to hear that because I literally have it like four feet behind me on the bookshelf. Have you read it? No. Oh, really? No, my mom just gave it to me. Oh. All right. She gave me a book box of books, and it was the only one that I wanted out of the whole no, box. No, no, no. Chad, read that first. Okay. Read that before anything else that I mentioned. Okay. It's I'm such a quick read. It's so good. Right there. It's so good. Oh, man. I'm so excited. I'm pulling it off the shelf right oh, you're now. You're grabbing yeah. it right now. <laughs> dude, it's like one of those old ones. I love the old. Oh, let's see if it oh, smells yeah. good. Oh, dude, it smells great. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is like, it's probably like illegal glue, you know, back when they used to make like rayon shirts that just like caught fire super easily. Mm, that's old good book glue smell right there. I love that. I know I just talked up all of these books so much, but just read that one it's such a quick read okay. it's so good um let's see after stephen king what else what have i got here oh uh the heroes by joe abercrombie have you read that one no but joe abercrombie is a top a-lister for me so abercrombie wrote three books after the first law trilogy and they're like technically another trilogy but like not really they're all you can read them however you want okay um but the heroes is really awesome it's about the whole book is like one like right before the battle and like one big battle on this oh. on this hill with a bunch of statues on it and all the statues are called the heroes and they're trying to get control of this hill and it's it's way right up your alley because it's like military strategies and dude those that's my favorite type of book i love large-scale warfare it's funny because like it's not my thing it's never been my jam dude, oh i know oh man when the general's standing on his huge yeah. strider at the top of the hill is huge and, and he's just like surveying the army spread out below him and he's talking about flanking <laughs> i feel like you and me could do a whole episode on like fight scenes and war scenes yeah. and stuff and like because i i have like mixed opinions on whether or not they're always necessary i mean if i get so mad <laughs> if i hear about a fight scene like a war that this happens in game of thrones all the time they'll be like ah the northern people attacked these other people i'm like why wasn't i there i have some characters from this perspective right in that area right in the neck of the woods right. but no i arrive right after the battle no it's like in in song of ice and fire they kind of they kind of allude to eddard stark fighting sir arthur dane the sword of the morning and i loved how in the show they showed that fight yeah thank you that's going to do it for us today on Book Reviews Kill. Thank you, everybody, for being with us on this little more loose episode, just firing off a bunch of really awesome books that I like. But I really love recommending stuff because there's nothing better than hearing about a book that you think might be right up your alley. And then you go to the bookstore, you see it there, and you start it. And that person was right. It really is right up your alley. I personally really love being able to recommend books to people because there's so many different loud noises of recommendation 
out there. It's a mm -hmm. cacophony of recommendations and it can be really difficult sometimes to really, and there's a, there's a whole plethora of different opinions. You know, sometimes I go on Reddit and I'll look up like, is this book worth my time? And every other comment is a different, you know, someone's like, it's yeah. the best book I've ever read in my life. And then you start some, like more, you end more confused than when you started. You're like, okay, well, I'm right. certain that it's a terribly awesome book. <laughs> right. Well, I really appreciate everyone letting me pick your brain because if there's one thing that, uh, well, there's many things that you were wonderful at, Evan, but oh. I know that your taste in fantasy books is superb and I really need to read some shorter books and read more as opposed to go so deep on one and I know you wouldn't let me down and you have not. You bet, man. This was a blast. And everybody, hope you have an awesome rest of your day and happy reading, of course. Everybody, before we leave, as always, I want to give a special shout out to our new Patreon subscribers. So thank you so much, Kyle Cataldo and Nicole Bettis. We really, really, really appreciate it. So uh, thank you so much. And if you would like to support Book Reviews Kill, there is a link to our Patreon in the description beneath this episode. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> there was too many episodes that went by that didn't say bye, everybody. And I had to say, okay. Bye. It always makes me sad. It always makes me sad when I listen to one of our things and I don't say it at the end. I'm like, dude, Chad, what's your, what are you off brand? Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. All right. Sorry, it's a comfortable place for me. I'm cutting it right now. Do it. <laughs>